TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. We do welcome you to Two Guys and a Mic on the TalkZone.com. Thanks for joining us. Midweek Wednesday, the coach of the Big Dog at your service, talking sports and more with you for the next hour, actually 56 minutes and 48 seconds to be exact. We're on a tight schedule. This is a detail-oriented, professionally-run production, Joe Redwanski. And don't you forget it, young man. How are you, Joe? Well, coach, I've been trying to forget it's all about details. Professional yeah, production. That's what we do here. Yeah, that doesn't my make sense. so good right now, though. I can't forget anything. You know, so. What happened? You don't feel so good? You got a little uh, a little too much celebration over the women's figure skating last night, or what happened? Oh, I got to tell you something. That was some pretty intriguing television last night. No, everything is good. I, I feel fantastic. Why are you assuming I don't feel good? Oh, I, th- I thought I you made some well. comment about you not, not feeling good. I apologize. I, I misinterpreted your... Uh, conversation but you are exactly correct last night one of the better nights i thought of the olympic games and the uh, women's figure skating which uh, you had said yesterday the last couple of days there's only one reason you watch i'm not going to repeat that reason but i think you were proved wrong yesterday tremendous performance by the young ladies some hockey action one of the more dramatic moments of the olympic games last night with the one women's figure skater who's Mom had uh, had a heart attack three days ago, and she performed brilliantly. And what a moment that was! That, How that, about it? That was what well, vintage. What the Olympic Games are all about, wouldn't you say? Without a question, the best moment of the Olympics by far, no doubt, and it's not even in a good way, it, like in a touching way, coach. Because mm-hmm. obviously, you know, the, uh, the the girl lost her mom, so it's not a good moment at any point, but just like a poignant moment. Somebody, something that she could do. Uh, I love the way the the woman analyst put it. That this gift she gave us and her father. You know that that's exactly what it was. It was it was fantastic stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scotty Hamilton, who I think was the color announcer, he, he was. Started crying. Yeah, that that's how emotional the moment was. Even the analyst could barely uh, even get out his words at the end of the routine. It was brilliant. Young lady's name was Joanne Rochette. Real quick, for some of our listeners might not be familiar with the story, uh, paint the picture last night around 10 o'clock at night. Well I, I, well, I don't know if I can paint it any better than you just described. I mean, she she came out there on the ice, and her dad was in attendance. Her mom had just passed away a couple days ago, and it was, you know, your typical figure skating story. A parent sacrificed a bunch in order to get her on the ice, and yeah, and, this you know, was... and, and, and the mom and her had a really good relationship. She was an only child, so it, you know, it was a pretty special bond. And when you have parents that give up so much so you can yes. fulfill your dream, and, and now you have a chance to live out your dream, and you can't share it with your mom at that particular moment, mm-hmm. you know that's. Uh, and this know, was that's... not something she had not had a lingering sickness. This was not an ongoing cancer. Not that that makes it any better. This was a sudden heart attack which came yeah, yeah. out of nowhere. So she had to deal with the suddenness of it all just three days ago. No, you know, you're absolutely right. And not the, there is, you can prepare yourself for situations like that if it's cancer and it's been a long time. Not that it makes it any easier, but uh, in that particular sense, it, it would make it easier. She's performing for the Olympics. I mean, and just bam, all of a sudden your mom's gone. 
someone that's been here your whole life, that's been your support for no particular reason whatsoever, you've lost her, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, to be able to go out there and do that, you, you know, her dad should be pretty proud. And that was a pretty cool moment watching the dad. In the mm-hmm. so. Yeah, no question about the raw emotion of the Olympic Games. I think that's something that uh, draws us to it. Sometimes we forget Big Dog. We're watching 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old 20, kids out there. I mean, you could imagine what you were like at age 19 and age 21 to have that kind of composure on an international stage. I think sometimes we forget how young some of these athletes are and the pressure on them. And Joanne, uh, was it Jody or Joanne Rochette from the hometown Canada team? She proved that beautifully last night. Well, it, it's so, so she's from Eastern Canada, which means she speaks French, coach. Okay. So it's like, it was spelled like J O A N N. Like I E, uh, yeah. but it was like it was like Joanny or something like that. But okay. like sometimes they call her Joanny or I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't speak French, coach. I can only kiss it and eat it. <laughs> well, two out of three is not bad. No, not bad at all. Two not out of three is not bad. By the way, the competition continues not tonight. I know you set your DVR already, Big Dog, but you would be mistooken or mistooken. You would be mistaken, mistooken, and mistooken. It is Thursday. They get a day in between. I don't quite understand it. The men did not, but the women's long skate will be on Thursday. Everybody's in position, the leader right now, in uh, what many call the signature event of the uh, Winter Olympics, the women's figure skating. Yuna Kim, you talked about her yesterday, and Moa Asada, brilliant. And she is in second place. Those two young ladies put on unbelievable skates. The aforementioned Joni uh, Rochette. The young lady who performed under unbelievable pressure is in the third-place position. And America's very own Rachel Flat in fourth place should make for some good viewing Thursday. I know you'll be watching. Uh, what, Rachel Flat is in fifth place, Coach? I thought fourth place might be fifth. And, uh, Mickey, Mickey Ando is in, is in fourth place. If the girl had any grace, she'd win it because she jumps out the gym and she does all the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like she trips over her own skates as she's doing the simple stuff. That's well, we talk, now we're talking stuff. about Mickey Ando? Yeah, the the See, other I, Japanese girl. Okay, but Malasado had like set like one of the highest scores ever Ooh. accomplished ever in the history of women's figure skating and stroke program. And right afterwards, yeah, uh, <laughs> the girl who right now is under more pressure and scrutiny than anybody on the planet uh-huh. said, uh, uh, "You know, Yuna Kim. Oh my goodness, coach. Now, I why mean, why, girl, why is Yuna Kim under so much pressure? Just because she she's was the a, she's like she's like this Barbie doll who happens to be the most famous person out of Korea, and she gets paid." She makes like nine million dollars a year in endorsement. Wow! And and in Korea, that's a little bit more than eight to nine million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so she's like the nine face million. of the whole country. So if she doesn't get a gold here. You know, people are going to be pretty upset with her because they're pretty like the, the media scrutiny in Korea is like harsh. Supposedly, it's even worse than like Japan. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, she, this girl does phenomenal. Then she comes out following Mawasada, who just did great, and she puts out the the best performance supposedly ever in the history of short program. So that was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, very, very cool. Again, short program, long program, coming up Thursday, $9 million. What? And, and I don't think she's ever won a medal before, right, so, in the I Olympics. I did a little investigation into Unikim. The girl pretty much promotes everything, okay? Uh, a lot of bikinis, by the way. If you need a bikini, you can get the Unikim bikini. Uh, really? And, uh, does Unikim, does she uh, display the bikini or does she just endorse it? No, she, they, they, they put them in her. They put her in the, excuse me, I'm sorry. Really? I'm, I'm a little baffled right now. I'm, a little, I, I'm discombobulated. Apparently so. Yeah, they, they, she's pushing refrigerators where she's singing in the commercial. Uh-huh. Okay, all kinds of stuff. It's, uh, 
I mean, seriously, they got themselves a mega icon in Korea. <laughs> you know, seriously, I'm not kidding you. Whatever Go. happened to the Olympic Games, the purity of us all, you know, the, w- w- when they were all, I don't know, back in the day when we only sent non-professional athletes, I'm assuming the other countries, it was a similar thing. When did all of a sudden big dollars started coming into the Olympic Games? I know I'm being naive here, and I know it's that time has been upon us for a while now, but, uh, wow, figure skater making $9 million. Remember the pure old days, Joel, back in your young days when the Olympic Games was all about the medal and not about the money? Oh, yeah, because, yeah, they really were amateurs. They couldn't even take endorsement money. However, they, but you know what? It, that's a bygone era. I have no problem with how it's done now. If they wanted to keep the Olympics uh, viable, it, it could no longer be. There used to be something cool about being amateur as opposed to being professional because professionals didn't really make that much money participating in sports. You know what I mean? Because people didn't overemphasize its importance, Coach. Mm-hmm. But over the last 50 years since the we have overemphasized the importance of sports, all of a sudden people are making $100 million contracts or $252 million contracts, which they can void out because they're going to get because they're going to get a $300 million one afterwards, mm-hmm. like A-Rod. You know, so all of a sudden, you know, when stuff like that happens, you can no longer have, like, good amateur, like, worldwide sports. It's very hard. You know what I'm saying, Coach? It's very difficult to get the best and to make it a point where everybody in the world would want to watch it. And I hate to say it, but that's just the way the world is. You've got to be real and look at what would happen. That's that's why you're painting a picture of reality, no question. I want to go back and ask you a question because my remembrance of history and the financial part of the Olympic Games is not great. Let me just mention the voice you're hearing is the uh, big dog, Joel Radwanski, my good partner here, two guys at a mic, and our phone lines are open. We uh, have seem to, of late anyways, be opening up the show with some Olympic game thoughts. You watched the games last night. We'll get into some other stuff before the show's over here, some college basketball, other little news to report. Pitchers and catchers have reported, and the baseball action's heating up. We'll talk a little baseball, too. A couple of NFL uh, star players have been released, and they are available. So we got other things to talk about, too. 888-463-6748. We open up with the Olympic Games. We invite your calls. Again, 888-463-6748. If you can't call, if you're a little bit shy and you want to email, that's fine, too. Send us an email at mike2guys at aol.com. M-I-C and the number 2. Mike, two guys, aol.com. Big Dog, when you said that it used to be uh, amateurs and not paid professionals, Help me out. Was that a written rule? Was it just a United? Yeah, yeah that was a, that was a written rule in the Olympics. So I, that was my next question. It. Not just the United States, but all countries. No, no, it was everybody, coach. Anybody was, who was, got paid could not compete in the Olympics. No matter what sport, if you were paid at all professionally to participate in a sport, mm-hmm. if you were paid for endorsing stuff, you were now a professional, and which could meant not... that you could not participate at all in the Olympics. Interesting. Now, so when you, when did they, was there like a, I don't know. 1992 re- was the first year that uh, people that got paid to do stuff could participate in the Olympics. So that was the, 88 was the last pure year. Okay, Coach? Okay. It was the last one. All right. Now, 92, they switched it. And ever since then, the Olympics it definitely have changed. Mm-hmm. But now you truly are seeing the best people in the world actually competing for the championship. Olympic historian Joel Radwanski, the big dog, joining us here. That's outstanding knowledge off the cup, big dog. Very, very impressed, as is our producer David Olson, who was checking your facts. And shockingly, shockingly, he whispers in my ear, you know what? The big dog's right. Apparently he checked it out. Now, 
you know, we, we think of, you know, basketball, football, where these players can get a lot of money. It's a good thing because you say getting paid, well, what, a bobsledder, a downhill here, skier, a figure skater, what kind of money are they going to make if they don't make it on endorsements, right? It's a little bit different yeah. than your baseball, basketball, football player. Yeah, well, absolutely, Coach. You're right. But, uh, you know, it's also a little bit different world. If you're, like, on the Austrian skiing circuit and you're winning, yep. obviously, you know, those are the types of people that can win in the Olympics. Okay, so if you are actually – you'd probably be capable to win on the Austrian skiing circuit, which means that you're probably going to make, like, you know, like, I don't know, like 200 grand a year. Really? You could afford – I didn't know there was that kind of money in the Austrian. At 200 grand a year. If that's what you really wanted to do, you could do that. Okay. So that that's the difference. But if you were – before 1992, you know, you couldn't go and actually, play, uh, you know, ski on professional circuits and actually hone your craft at it if that's what you wanted to do. So technically, you can say about the purity and all that, but, you know, there's something said about the purity of, oh, you know what, I've decided to dedicate my life to this sport, mm-hmm. and I don't care if I make 50 grand this year doing it. I'm going to do it until I can actually be good enough to actually get to the Olympic mm-hmm. Games. So th- the money part doesn't bother me whatsoever because – before, oh, it was pure. No, it wasn't pure. You got guys from America who are actually following the rules, you know, struggling and eating ramen noodles every single day. And then you got people in the Soviet Union and China and East Germany at that particular time who are living it up and living the best lives, uh, you know, in their country because they're, they're freaking prima donnas. Of course, they're not getting paid or anything, but everything in their whole life is given to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so you can say, you know, it's not pure anymore, but now it's a, a level playing field, coach. Mm-hmm. Very well put. I'm still taken a little bit back by the Austrian skiing circuit and being able to make a couple of hundred thousand dollars. I know when I was no, thinking it, of well, uh, if, you're, if you're the best, you can make money doing that, coach. You know what I mean? Apparently. It's not if you, you know, it's it's not like the PJ circuit where if you make the cut half the time, you're still going to be a millionaire at the end of the year. So I made the wrong decision to go into broadcasting. I still remember when I was making the career choice, meeting with mom and dad post college. It was uh, it was radio broadcasting. It was teaching, or it was the Australian ski circuit. I chose radio. Actually, I chose teaching. Followed that up with radio and broadcasting. Apparently, big dog, it was box number three that I should have chosen. The Australian You're ski so circuit. Bad. You're way, so stupid. You're so stupid. What the hell was that? The Australian ski circuit is water skiing. The Austrian <laughs> ski circuit is actually the downhill alpine. Ah, okay. okay. I'll take Australian for uh, for fifty. Thank you. <laughs> I think you get a nice tan. Well, at least water skiing is level. You know, the waves aren't quite as big. The downhill thing, I don't think my career would last too long. It, it'll still break your neck just as fast, though, yeah. don't, don't you believe it? I also thought of the bobsled circuit, watching the bobsled competition, another odd sport. Let me ask you, Joel, and feel free to tell me if I'm getting too personal or not. Are you a two-man bobsled guy or a four-man bobsled guy? No, no, that's funny because we were talking about that uh, <laughs> yesterday. Now, uh, the women... Because I was trying to watch as much hockey as possible, but in between periods, yeah. you know, I was able to. Uh, I, I saw some women bobsled, and you know, the <laughs> the guys that were doing like the luge were getting like ninety miles an hour, and the mm-hmm. women were doing like like eighty three. Okay. Well, these women bobsledders got up to ninety five miles an hour, coach. So, I, like the men when they get. The four-man bobsled and the men, are they going to do over 100 on this? Do you get faster depending well, on how big it is? No, That's I was going to say, why, why? I don't I don't understand bobsledding at all, but uh, why would? Maybe there's a, is, is uh, David Olsen an expert on centrifugal force? I just, I'm just wondering if, uh, like, the bigger the sled, the faster it's going to go downhill. That's our debate that we had last mm-hmm. night. And trust me, you get a bunch of people 
uh, around a hookah pipe smoking incense, <laughs> you know what I mean, and debating this. The, if you'll, you get, you'll, come it, up, you'll come up with a lot of theories in the bobsled competition. Exactly. Huh? So we weren't sure if the like <laughs> people thought like the skeleton was fastest because it was the lightest you can get down. Uh-huh. I, I, we weren't really sure. Coach. And, and help me out, uh, you and your yucca party over there, what exactly – what is the technique that makes one bobsled group faster than another? I understand the push at the top. That part I get. But once they're on the downslope, what do the bobsled people do that well, makes gotta, one group better than another? Then is then it's all the driver at that point. It's, it legitimately is the start where all four guys or two guys are you know equal on that. Obviously, the guy in the rear is the most important one. Uh-huh. And then uh, as long as you get in nicely. But, you know, you have to drive the right line, Coach. Because, you know, sometimes you don't always have the – because okay. the, depending on how fast you start, you'll get different speeds down the track. And obviously, mm-hmm. the faster you can start at the beginning, as long as you keep the correct line the whole entire time, mm-hmm. the faster you'll be going at the end. All right. That's why, like, the start is so important. But if, like, you crash because you're going too fast and that fast start didn't matter. Like, yesterday, the girls who actually won had kind of a slow start, but they didn't hit the walls at all. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, she had a really smooth line, and she ended up being really, really fast by the end of the race. So. Okay. You did avoid my uh, rather personal question, by the way. And, again, feel free not to answer. But when a push comes to shove, and maybe that's the wrong term to use. He didn't give me the, my, the option of my the, my true desire, Coach. Are you a two-man bobsled guy or a four-man bobsled guy, yes or no? i got to be honest with you. I stay away from the bobsled. I'm, I'm, I'm a lose guy. I'm a loser, and I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a two-man lose guy. Coach. I'm a hunter. I'm a loser. I'm a... All right. Oh, I think uh, we'll put you down for avoiding the question. Thank you very no, much. No, like I said, I'm a two-man lose guy. Apparently so. Yeah. Is that mixed lose or? Uh... No, it's, it's, they don't have mixed sports at all. In well, the they should. Next Olympics, I guarantee they'll have it. <laughs> that was another option that we brought up last night. Mix... Were you at this place that I don't remember, Coach? That was, that was the only mixed sport that you should have in the Olympics is the two-person lose. And then the big question would be uh, who's on top? Well, I guess you would have to have the woman in most cases, unless you were the German team, possibly the Kazakhstan team. All right. Moving quickly along here, 888-463-6748. We are America's number one family Internet sports talk show, as long as you don't have young kids listening, as long as you don't have an actual family. We often say we're America's number one breakfast show also, as long as you're not eating breakfast. You want to email us, you can email us at mike 2 guys at AOL.com, M-I-C and the number two, mike Two guys at AOL.com. We're putting some Twitters out, too. Our Twitter family is growing all the time. And, Big Dog, we got a fan page, of course, people can check out. It's twoguysmike.com. I believe, through the brilliance of technology, we've got a picture of you horizontal on a luge on the website right now. Oh, excellent, excellent. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, Coach. I'm going to need to check this out. You're wearing nothing but a terry cloth towel, and the wind is blowing. Oh, 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 no. I, that was an embarrassing night. <laughs> oh, that, that'll get people to check the fan page, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so, Coach. <laughs> TwoGuysMike.com. You can join our uh, Facebook page, too. We encourage that. Uh, big Dog, so uh, what else? In the, oh, now, we have one, one other major story from yesterday's Olympic viewing, and that is maybe, and I still haven't seen the video of this. I've read up on it. Didn't see it last night. I can't get it on the YouTube here, but maybe one of the great coaching errors in Olympic game histories. Uh, are you aware? And if so, paint a picture for our listening audience. I, I, I happen to be watching it, and I don't know what the guy's name is. I do believe it was Sven something. Sven but Kramer. was a Dutch skater. 
And it was one of the longer ones. Like, uh, I do believe Ten. it was like 2,500 meters. I think the 10,000 meters. 10,000 meters. Okay. Uh, like six, it's like six miles though, basically. So. Yep. And with like eight laps to go, this guy who's the number one in the world, he's already won a gold and he's going for double gold and he's going for double gold in a country where the number one sport in that country is ice skating. I mean, uh, uh, speed skating. And that's no joke. I'm not just like making it up. It's soccer and speed skating. These people have waterways in their street coast that during the winter are frozen mm-hmm. and they get to work by ice skating. Legitimately, they have pathways just for skating. So you can go from one part of the city to the other part of the city, like any, six miles in like 20 minutes. Any kids that take a bus, what's, uh, he's from uh, where, from Holland? From Yeah, he's from uh, Holland. Any so. kids that take a bus to school in Holland are made fun of. Yeah, exactly. The, seriously, Coach, they legitimately have like waterways like yep. set aside like so you can go from one part of the city to the other. Cool. And so it's big time there. Well, this guy is going around the, with eight laps to go. He's about to cut. Uh, he's about to go to the outside. And his coach is screaming, no, inside, inside, inside. So he does, and he really gets it, but he gets inside. Okay? And uh, continues to skate. And when he gets done, he, he's four seconds ahead of the pace. Uh, that's an Olympic record, not a world record, which he already had, but it's an Olympic record. And uh, finds out that the coach who was coming to go inside when he really didn't want to at that time, was wrong, and it cost the guy a gold medal in a speed-skating crazy city. Bob Costas said said it already. He needs to relocate. The coach? He can't go back to his house. The guy won't be able to go back to his house. You're talking about the athlete or the coach? The coach. I I don't know what the the coach's name is. Mm -hmm. His his name is like uh, Gabor Ivorich or something. I don't know what it is, but the guy cannot – he will, he has no chance, coach. Yeah, and he fully he admitted it. Than... He admitted it afterwards. And uh, Sven Kramer, the great, great speed skater. I never heard of the guy before, but apparently, uh, like you said, he was already number one world record holder, phenomenal athlete. Even the guy who won the gold by virtue of the mistakes had, you know, very rightfully so. Sven Kramer, Sven Kramer is the best skater by far. But um, it was just, it was just a coaching mistake. And normally, I guess the skater doesn't listen to the coach, or there's rarely any coach's instruction. Sven Kramer said it was an odd time. It was one of the few times his coach ever said anything to him. He only had a moment to decide. He makes the switch, and the coach knew. I think before the race was over, the coach knew that he blew it. The coach felt horrible. What can you say? But uh, the athlete, rightfully so, was quite disgusted, threw his goggles at the end of it. A lot of coaching mistakes we've seen in the Olympic Games over the years. I remember some athletes showing up at the wrong time. Remember in the Summer Olympic Games, the coach told them the wrong start time? Oh, for what event? It was, was a it sprint event. In the, no, no, in the track, sprinting. 100 oh, meter, wow. 200 meter, 220, might have been a four, half a mile. But it I remember there was a big... how late you are, because like, if you had a running start, that could help you. You know what I mean? What are you talking about? Well, like if you were only a few seconds oh. <laughs> late to the track and you were running and you actually had a running start when they blew the gun, I mean, that, that, but otherwise you're pretty much, you screwed the pooch if that happened to you. So, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that kind of late, but you're right. If you're timely late, it might actually work for you. I never <laughs> quite thought of it that way. We could throw think- that out to the listeners, though. Great coaching gaffes in the Olympic Games. I mean, blatant, you know, don't get too technical with us and. Start going back, you know, to the Knicks and the Celtics and why the coach didn't do this in a particular game. But but just obvious, blatant coaching mistakes, some of the greatest in history. 888-463-6748. i got to think about that myself. Well, but Certainly last night is going to go down, unfortunately, for Sven Kramer as one of the worst ever. 
I'm definitely going to have to think about coaching gaffes in Olympic history. I'll have to think about that. I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of one. But mm-hmm. I saw a gaffe last night on television, Coach, Uh-oh. where they let something happen on TV that was absolutely hysterical. I can't wait to tell you about it after the break. Uh, we will take a quick break. We're going to get to it. Can we sneak in a phone call real quick, Dave? David Olson says no. we got to take a break first. All right, call or hang on, 888-463-6748. The Big Dog's great gaffe on TV last night coming up. In about 42 seconds. Back in a minute. TalkZone.com. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joe radwanski on talkzone.com yes indeed we are back talkzone.com two guys and a mic if you're checking the show out via webcasting number one thank you for joining us we much much appreciate it and number two if you're wondering where guy number two is he is at his palatial estate in beautiful aurora illinois a fine western suburb of chicago the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, real quick, before we get to the call you had said before the break, you saw, I'm assuming this was not the Olympic Games, another TV show, but a great gaffe last night. Tell us we are intrigued. Well, uh, last night I was watching SportsCenter, and they, uh, SportsCenter, ESPN just, uh, you know, starts announcing that Bryant Westbrook has been released, and we'll, we'll get into that later. Yep. And, uh, so all of a sudden, Bryant Westbrook is on the television via phone, no picture. They're, all they're doing is showing highlights of him, and he's speaking about how, you know, he's not upset. He'll miss Philadelphia. He'll uh, uh, he loves Andy Reid, and for his future prospects, he will be worshiping uh, Howard Stern's prospects on air, coach. Wait, say, what was the last part again? He said he was going to worship Howard Stern's prospects. And then they cut him off, and Scott Van Pelt was like, oh, he didn't know what to say. And then he's like, oh, sometimes it happens, and they go into action like nothing had happened. They <laughs> they thought they had Bryant Westbrook of the Philadelphia Eagles, well, now a free agent in the NFL, on air. And next thing you know, they had some guy saying that he was going to worship some of his prostate live on television. They got the and wrong. They had nothing to do. They, they, they was too late. It was too. They, it was on air, and they were just like, we can't and, do anything about it. And, and they did. They they didn't even acknowledge the miscue. They just went right nope. on. Nope. See, well, they, well, God Man Pelt said, folks, uh, sometimes it happens. And then okay. they went right to, like, Steve Levy, and he, like, and he uh, kind of joked. He's like, uh, uh, I, get, I think that guy, uh, what do you call it, uh, a fan of your show. <laughs> okay. So so he did acknowledge it by at least saying mm-hmm. that. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, that's live TV. Those things can happen, and one could argue it's amazing it doesn't happen more often. 
Yeah, it was pretty funny though. Don't you think you got it? And the guy sounded like like a fat white dude. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, they really thought this guy was Bryant Westbrook. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the guy. I couldn't believe they let it happen, Coach. Mm-hmm. Well, we know Bryant Westbrook, and we're going to talk about uh, not just him, but another great player released from his uh, particular football team. We know two things about Bryant Westbrook: a, he's definitely not fat, and b, last time I checked, not white. So not that I can see, Coach. Not that I can see. All right. Uh, 888-463-6748, the phone number, dog and a coach, two guys and a mic. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. He hang, he's been hanging on, and we appreciate the hang time. Uh, line number 17 is caller Jim checking in. Jim, how are you? Real good, coach. Good to hear you again. You and Joel. Not sure how you got by the first uh, 16 calls, but we went to line 17, and it's good to hear your voice too, Jimmy. What's up? It's that fine producer of yours. He's doing a great job. I was in uh, withdrawals for a week here with a computer glitch, and he fixed it up for me. Ah, I couldn't hate, hear you. I could see you. I hate computer glitches. You could see us, but you couldn't hear us. Yeah, it was terrible. Sometimes was terrible. that's the best way to catch our show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what Joel was talking about, these glitches in uh, coaching history? Yes. I don't remember any Olympics ones other than that fiasco last night, but... Uh, anytime Dusty Baker didn't do anything with the pitching staff, what do you think, Joel? Yeah, that's too easy. <laughs> yeah, there, there was uh, everything seemed to snowball with Dusty Baker during the during that end of the Dusty Baker run. It seemed like no matter what choice he made was the wrong choice. It, yeah, it, that was a sad era in Cub history. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the the that's the coaching thing that sticks out in my mind. Of yeah, big but mistakes. that's just Dusty Baker in general. Nothing specific. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. The general man. <laughs> Well, that and the toothpick, you know, I don't know which one irritated me more. That's almost coming in the back door on that one. We're looking for specifics. We should do some homework on this. Our daily quandary just kind of pops up spur of the moment. Oh, there's all types of of coaching guests. If you think about one that Dusty Baker made, don't forget the time that he decided uh, to do the double switch and he brought the wrong pitcher in and he totally jacked everything up. So he ended up like losing. He burnt two players and none of them, neither one of them got into the game Mm because he did the double switch wrong. Well, even wow. even better and related to that, a coaching gap here in the city of Chicago. Don't forget via the internet. Now we are listeners uh, through the continental United States and all seven continents. Big dog, your voice being heard in many many languages. I don't know if it's being translated in those particular countries. So you could have a lot of people listening right now, Joel, that have no idea what you're saying, but are probably still enjoying the program. But well, I do, do you, appreciate that. <laughs> and again, it might be a more enjoyable way to listen to the show. Do you remember the White Sox manager? Help me out. Um, uh, his uh, Terry Babington. Terry Babington. It, it had to been because there was legitimately twenty of his gaps that we can talk about in this particular segment. Well, so but there's only there's only one that that really really stands out. Are you talking? Hold on, let me guess. Because if I'm wrong, it'll still be funny. Because <laughs> was it the time that he there was a call and he ran out and he started arguing and the ump's like, could you go back in the dugout because <laughs> I called exactly what you're arguing about? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is that the one? Coach? No, I, that wasn't the one I was thinking of, but that stands right up there with him. I forgot okay. about that. He's throwing his head. He's pounding the dirt, all disgusting. He's like, "Yeah, you're and right." It, I'm it, like, "Yeah, you're right." That's what I called. I'm going back to the dugout, you idiot. Oh, okay. Never. No, ne- as Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana would say, "Never mind." No, I was talking about the time he made the uh, walk out to the pitcher's mount and signaled, uh, raised his left arm, signaled for the left hander in the bullpen. And there was no pitcher. <laughs> there was nobody in the bullpen. Yeah, so those would be Terry Bevington was worth a couple of them for sure. That's a classic. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's you there's know, more Jim, out there. We'll throw that out to the listeners. Help us out here. Eight 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 four six three six seven four. Humorous or non humorous? 
Great coaching gaffes. And uh, caller Jim, the last night, the one that happened last night was not humorous. You had to feel for the skater. No, who no, so that guy. Hard. The rest of his life, he's going to be bothered yeah, by that. Costing somebody a game is one thing, but when you're the, that, that directly and one hundred percent cause a guy a gold medal. That's about as bad as you can possibly get. It's almost impossible to top that. And, and a world record, too, right? Didn't they say world well, Olympic record? record? But, hey, you know, <laughs> he already had the world record. He, now he would have got the Olympic record with it. So, yeah. I think the only saving grace, I believe, I read that he has won a gold earlier. Yeah, yeah, right? he has won. Okay. He just wanted to go double gold, which so is pretty rare. Really, it would have yeah. really been horrible if that was his one and only event, and he had trained four years for that particular event. And they blew it. So at least it's a small consolation right now, but at least he did get a uh, gold medal. Jim, have you ever uh, donned the skin-tight outfit and maybe you're out in the neighborhood going and uh, speed-skated around the street a little bit just for kicks? It used to be a good picture, Coach, but at 49, it's not as good a picture anymore. <laughs> a simple <laughs> no was suffice. <laughs> what, uh, Jimmy, before we let you go, what uh, Olympic events have you particularly been drawn to? Uh, the hockey and like Joel with the, anytime the females are out there dressed in next to nothing is always fun. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, without a doubt. The hockey yesterday was just, it was like a day in heaven. Four elimination hockey games and, you know, in between periods you could uh, check out a couple of figure skaters. Hey, that sounds familiar. A couple of chauvinistic slobs over here. Come out and check <laughs> women's figure skating. It's women dressed next to nothing. It's oh, the United the States, way, Coach. Huh? It's the United States, Coach. I'm, uh, the way it is, I'm men much, in America. Much more mature individual, Jim. I watch the athletic competition for the athletics only. Sure. That's, you know, Coach, I do believe you. That's my you line, and I'm stuck in it. true when you say that, but 98% of men who actually say that mm-hmm. are just not admitting that they're like Jim and myself. And what, are you putting me in the 98, or do I get No, I'm putting you in the 2%. I, I really? truly mean it. Now, I'm not just saying this. <laughs> we, we definitely are like two different people, without question. That. You I mean, really, <laughs> truly mean it when you say you are watching it for the athletic competition. The big dog has put me in the elite 2%. I don't know if it's true or not, but I appreciate the uh, the luster, if you will. Thank you. I mean, how many men really watch figure skating for the – I mean, very few. I'd have to say yeah, you uh, 49 out of 50 who are like me. <laughs> yeah, it's – otherwise it's boring. It's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like 9 out of 10 dentists don't recommend uh, – you know, kids eating candy under the age of 13 every day. You always, you see, always say, well, who's the 10th dentist? You know, who's the sicko who actually wants the guys eating candy every day? One of the Three Stooges guys, I'm pretty sure. Thank Dr. Pullum and Yankum or something like that. <laughs> Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, the law firm. There you go. Yeah, beautiful. Jimmy, we appreciate the call, and uh, check back anytime, my friend, 888-463-6748. I'm glad your computer's working and you've rejoined the show. I'm happy too, Coach. It's just like, you know, a week without sunshine when I can't hear you for a week. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> Have a good one, huh, buddy? I bet all you right. say that to all you the guys. Jimmy, sweet talking us over here. We love Jim. HVAC, heating and, what is it? Heating and air conditioning Jim, right? Oh, I should have talked to him when my furnace blew up. Yes. Oh, That's man. part of the beauty of having an Internet show like this. We have listeners all over, Joel. You have a problem. A plumbing problem, an electrical problem. There's a listener that is more than happy to come help you. You're right. You could have called uh, our heating and air conditioning guy. You know what really is bad is if it had been like right now it is today, I think we could have dealt with it mm-hmm. maybe for a day or two to try to figure out what the best deal was. It was like four degrees the day ours went out, and you uh-huh. were seeing your breath in the house. You, we couldn't live like that. I, you know I remember I mean? you relaying that to our listeners about a week ago. The heat went off. You had a couple of people came over and gave you estimates. Uh, what was the end result? Did you get a new heating 
system put in, our listeners are very anxiously awaiting your response. Yeah, we, 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 I have kind of a large house coach, so we have to get a certain level of, uh, what do you call it? Of, uh, so ours is a little more expensive than normal. And the fact that, uh, we had, we got the energy efficient one coach, so it cost us $3,500. Mm-hmm. Okay. But we're going to get $1,500 back because we bought the economically efficient, blah, 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 blah one. So, uh, it, it all worked out. We'll get $1,500 back. So in the long run, it'll only cost, you know, two thousand dollars for this, Ooh. and our heating bill supposedly is going to be cut in half from what it was. Beautiful. What the guy said. I love happy so, endings. I love happy. Yeah, yeah. it love- is happy endings, but the happy endings for me are like a year away <laughs> next April when I'm getting my uh, taxes back. So yeah. Now let me but ask. In the meantime, let me ask you this: Who? Coach. Who? <laughs> I'm glad you're uh, keeping nice and toasty. Where does the fifteen hundred hour rebate come from? From the company or from the from government? From the United States of America. Really? It's, yeah. And you and it's I guess you have no idea like the the like the scams that these people got. So so we are the, now. I, I was not aware of this. David Olson, our uh, political uh, pundit here, we are now via trying to be energy efficient. The the government that is so badly in red tape is now reimbursing people for purchases. Yeah, yeah but okay. Were, so here's and trust me, Coach. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, I'm, I'm not agreeing or disagreeing. I'm, t- I'm, I'm just, not, I don't don't uh, put me in an agree or disagree. I'm just kind of taking. I, it I, on. I'm not putting you in it. I'm just saying I cannot stand subsidized of anything subsidized welfare, anything, anything, coach. No matter who it be for, corporate, anybody. Okay, so but the 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 point of the matter is this: I am so frustrated with the system that I have pretty much decided to act like it doesn't exist. I know that might be a bad way to live your life. Okay? Now, when you say that, when you say okay. the system, you're not talking about your heating system. You're talking about the bigger, the system. Yeah, the go- okay. but whenever time anything big happens in my life, I just call up my boy Joe Hogan, who's basically, he's really into the political world, mm-hmm. and he tells me exactly what to do. This man has saved me, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in the long run of my life, I think, over the last couple couple mm-hmm. years. I'm not kidding you, like, with stuff like So, you know what it is, Coach? I'm just tied in. But we're getting off the sports page a little bit. I'm a little confused because we all know uh, from talking to you the last couple of months, people that listen to your radio show the morning break before, we know you're a longtime energy conservation guy, a global warming enthusiast. And that's what this is about. Huh? And that's what this is about. It's supposedly they're encouraging people to buy energy-efficient furnaces. And reimbursing them for doing that. So why are you so much against that? Well, I just, my point is, I don't like subsidization. I don't like all that. Like, I want the government to stay away from, like, our pocketbooks. Let us decide how we spend our money and what we should do with it, mm-hmm. who we should reward, who we shouldn't reward. Because what ends mm-hmm. up happening, Coach, is far too many people abuse systems and take advantage of it. And the, what, the real effect of what anybody mm-hmm. wanted to do never truly gets done because far too many abuse the system. Yeah, now you threw, uh, I noticed how you uh, very sneakily, underhandedly, almost under your breath, threw the whole welfare system in that same argument. And I, no, no, I, like, no, yeah, exactly. It, that's what I'm talking about. I'm well, trying to, my point is people shouldn't get free money for nothing, no matter what it is. People should earn everything. Well, that's easy for you to say, sitting in your beautiful house in Aurora, probably going out for a fancy dinner five, six out of the seven days of the week. Are you, there are are you out of your people. mind, Coach? Huh? Are you out of your mind? <laughs> I eat at home every single day. All I right. eat ramen noodles, okay? Do you, uh, the cinnamon flavored or regular? 
Well, obviously not cinnamon flavor. Okay, I'm not exactly living it up high on the hog right now. Times are rough in the ramen okay. noodle world. Huh? I, I have to have my I have to have my my Asian driver Russell drive me everywhere. I can't even afford a car, coach. Okay, seriously. Yeah, but you got and no. Somehow you're going to act like I'm living it up high in the hog. I might be the poorest person in the state of Illinois at this moment, but somehow all right, but you we still... all figure out how to get it done in this house. So. All that well said. I appreciate that you still took a cheap shot at welfare. Let me remind you, while there are certainly. Uh, People that take advantage of the welfare system, I would also like to remind you that there have been many, many downtrodden people, many people have tried and still struggling that have been helped by welfare, able to feed their kids, able to keep their kids uh, maybe off the street and in the house. So the welfare system got a lot of problems with it, Big Dog, but I don't think it's mentioned often enough. It's done some wonderful, wonderful things, too, and kept some people and some families afloat when they otherwise might not have. So take that. Yeah. Well, luckily for me, luckily for me, coach, I, I, I had a friend that really, really has helped me out and loaned me some money in the meantime. So I haven't had to go that route, but I, I never will. There's, there's got to be other ways, coach. There's far too many people, you know, far too many people abuse the welfare system. Far too many people yeah, do. And, and far too many people overlook the great things that the welfare system has done, too. I think sometimes, it, it, you're right, there is abuse of it, but I don't think the positives of the welfare system have been credited often enough? I would have to say that uh, there was an era in this country where uh, the poor people were really making a, like unbelievable strides in, in what they were doing. I'll, I'll just talk about this. I'll just say African-Americans in that particular sense. Making unbelievable strides, becoming more educated. Every single generation was getting better and better than before. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the 1960s happened, and all of a sudden we kind of like became a welfare state. And all that progress of every generation getting better than the previous generation stopped, Coach. Okay, and and, and that stuff. That's now all of a sudden there's issues about oh what's going on. Uh, African Americans was going a great great direction until the welfare uh, state in this country started. Mm -hmm. Seriously, Coach. Well, and I don't know that African Americans is the right depiction. It's people who happen to live often in the inner cities. Well, and, there, there's there's more white people on welfare than African Americans. Exactly. Percentage wise, exactly. Like so percentage wise, it's like uh, like it's like four to one yeah. in terms of ratio. It has so. nothing to do with the color of your skin. It has to do with the financial situation and how strapped you are. I'm, clear, huh? I'm not. I'm just trying to use that in terms of if you really think that it's successful, look at one particular part of our country. That was been dramatically affected by welfare because because they've had uh, African Americans. There's been more African Americans in welfare than uh, uh, over the last 50 years than typically any other race. So because of that, have they benefited from this? I don't think so at all, Coach. At all. At is all. What I'm saying. See, that's where no. I think you would be wrong. I think it's I think it's, it's, it's like they, more harm than good without well, question. Now 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 that's a little bit more of an argument. But when you say it hasn't helped at all, I think it's one of those situations where. All of a sudden, we've gone off the Olympic Games, and it's sports guys talk civics here. As you uh, sit down and enjoy class 001 with Professor's Coach and Professor's Radwanski here. But it's like, uh, you know, in the news media, all you hear about is the bad news. You don't hear the good news. I think it's the very same thing with the welfare system. We hear of all the people taking advantage of it, the negatives of it, and there's that side. But I don't think we hear the silent good, if I could use that two-term word, the silent good that much of the taxpayer money that has been given to the welfare system has done. There's many good things, which I alluded to earlier, that the welfare system has done. Yeah, I've been I've been writing papers for, for people, and a, lot, and a lot of them don't want to do their sociology papers, Coach, so I've been really touching on this subject a lot. 
You're okay. writing papers? Yeah, for people. You were the guy who used to have people write papers for you. No, no, I never did that. Even when I was in college, I used to do that all the time. I used to have people pay me to write their papers. Really? And I'd have to have somebody else type them up for me. See, I think our listeners took you for, you know, the the football, the sports jock kind of guy, not particularly, uh, uh, you know, an academician. But here you are, you are actually writing papers for people. By the way, that's not legal, is it? No, but no, no there's, it's not against the law. <laughs> I, I have looked this up. My roommates and I crack up about it because it's, it's pretty funny because I got a couple guys that come to it consistently. Uh-huh. So, so college- I got to figure out a way to pay the mortgage coach. I can either do that or I can go to welfare. Okay. So instead... I write papers about how I cannot stand the welfare state. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Okay. So. <laughs> kill, kill with two birds with one stone, huh? Yeah. All right. Professor, can we put down the uh, book for a moment and get back to the sporting world after this break? Oh, please, please. Thank you. you and me get distracted very easy. You know that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. No, yeah. nothing to be sorry about. I enjoyed the conversation. Hopefully our listeners did too. 888-463-6748. The coach and the big dog. Sports talk and more. Sometimes it's more and less of the sports. We're going to talk some uh, Football, free agents, guys that are available now, college basketball, some good games last night, and the baseball action, Big Dog. The question yesterday was pitchers and catchers have reported. Now what? And I'm going to pose that question to you. Now what the hell do we do for the next six weeks now that the pitchers and catchers are there? Back in a minute, Dog and the Coach, TalkZone.com. Time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joe Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. And we are back, final segment for the uh, big dog and a coach in a Wednesday version of Two Guys and a Mic, by the way, during the break. A couple of new people joining our Twitter family, big dog, welcome, uh, Patty, Patchwork, and Crack in the Box, who are now listeners via the uh, Twitter. I'd like you to welcome to them family. Say hi to Crack in the Box. Hey, what's up, Crack in the Box? <laughs> that was very heartfelt. What about Patty Patchwork? Patty Patchwork? I don't know, I'm just reading off the script here. What can I tell you? Is that, uh, you know, that's got to be some like Irish plumber or something like that, huh? Patty Patchwork? Might be, might be his undercover name. Enough of that, though. Our Twitter family growing all the time. You can check it out at our uh, fan page, too guysmike.com big dog i said before the break very quickly pitchers and catchers have reported we got all excited about baseball in the first couple of days you know very exciting teams getting in and now i guess the question is now what do we do for the next six weeks well uh i i do believe we had this discussion yesterday and i guess uh we figure out who's going to be the first cub that uh predicts that they're going to win the world series okay oh ryan dempster has already done this my my driver is waiting for me right now, so uh, 
And I guess so the next thing is, is who's going to be the next club to get hurt so far? It's been Ted Lilly, Coach. Uh, you're talking from your very own home Chicago Cub team. So you're suggesting to our listeners you kind of sit around, maybe do a lottery on which significant player will get injured first? Just to, you know, just to kill some time. I mean, those of us that can't get down to the spring training facility and you want to get excited about your team, there's a lot of time before opening day. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. Oh, we're also trying to figure out which uh, no-name slugger who can't run or feel at all is going to have a gigantic <laughs> spring and that light air in Arizona and every single Cub fan wants to have him on the team uh, and see if Lupinella gives in and puts the guy on the roster and then he can't run, can't catch, or can't field, and definitely can't hit in regular major league pitching. <laughs> you I'm do sorry, s- did I go a little on about that? I'm you, sorry, I'm Michael Hoffauer. You so. do sound like a, a, a very bitter, bitter, long-time-suffering Chicago Cub fan. All I want, Coach, is guys that can run and catch the ball and throw the ball and mm-hmm. then, you know, hit uh, when they need to and, you know, do that kind of stuff. I really just want baseball players. I'm sick of the whole thing. I, I love stuff. your expression yesterday. I thought you nailed it. And, uh, again, listeners just tuning in now. Phone lines are open. Final 10 minutes of the show. Dial it up, 888-463-6748. Our phone number here, but you had said uh, I want players not that aren't necessarily talented. We want players that are skilled. A fine line, but I think I knew exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not trying to be, like, pompous or anything like that. You know, people can be, like, you know, pretentious about, like, like their beliefs on how you should win and all that. But in a, in a sense, I kind of feel like I do. Uh, I feel that way, Coach, because why can't people figure it out? It seems like whenever you look back on all the teams that won, you look back and they had good pitching, especially, you know, middle relief and, oh, well, they had great defense. Every single team ever, okay? there's that, That's been the formula for everyone and then the offense is, you know, a general mix of guys that could, you know, make a lot of contact, run, and then, then a little bit of power in the middle of the order. Coach, mm-hmm. why is it that difficult? That's why, like, you know, you see teams that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on the off season, and sometimes they get like corner infielders and they strike out 120 times, and it never pans out. And then other teams, who, you know, they they kind of lay in the weeds and they they build pitching staffs and build teams that can hit and run, and mm-hmm. guess what? Those teams win. Yeah, yeah so. I guess along with that, and I agree with you, the, the little things, you know, the, the lost art of bunting, hitting behind the runner, uh, you know, third base. Well, uh, I'm not even really just talking about that. You know, the hitting behind the runner stuff. Yeah, just making contact and, and taking the extra base and, and mm-hmm. hitting to the situation, Coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but my question to you is, I wonder, in this day and age of the professional athlete, how much real instruction of that kind goes on? Maybe more than we think. Maybe more than we think, but maybe... Not so much. Do you think the professional coaches take it for granted? These athletes know some things. Maybe they're intimidated by the athletes and they don't want to. I still remember Jimmy Pearsall, the old uh, Chicago Cub uh, uh, assistant baseball coach in charge of outfielders. The great Jimmy Pearsall. He would talk about this about five, six years ago, that he would do these drills for the outfielders. And they would look and at him Corey like, Patterson didn't want to listen to him. Not just Corey Patterson. He said a lot of the young outfitters. Like, what are you talking about? You know, little subtle things like how to, you know, uh, you know, play balls off the wall, proper angles to take on base. Little fine-tuning things like that that are key. You're getting paid millions of dollars. You should be trained on that stuff. The coaches are getting paid a lot of money. You should have coaches that are teaching that thing. But my question is, I wonder how much of that coaching really goes on, the fine-tuning coaching. You know, you know it's funny, Coach, though, so if uh... – you know, you pick those guys. Obviously, all those guys are losers. And, you know, and it's funny. You can take the best players in the game of baseball that are playing the game right now, and every single one of them, if Jimmy Pearsall would have said to him, hey, come back out here. I'm going to tell you how to catch a ball off the wall. They would listen. 
and that's why those players are great. And those those guys that we have don't even remember their names that are no longer in the Cubs organization. That's why those guys are losers. Mm-hmm. That that is the difference. If you if you decide to be a major league baseball player, if that's going to be your craft, if that's the way you're going to be to earn your your income for your next thirty seven generation of your family, you know you could uh, you could spend a little extra time and listen to somebody who was a Gold Glover, one of the best outfielders mm-hmm. in the history of the game. You think, uh, for instance, a common you know I coach baseball at a very low level, okay? But do you think, for instance, at the professional level, does a coach put the players out in position and hit? Fungos, and by the way, I may have been a brutal baseball hitter, Big Dog. When it comes to fungoing, as far as placement, mm-hmm. distance, I am one of the top fungo coaches of all time. Thank you very much. I would love to see it. I'd be more happy to feel for you. Well, I, I don't know if I know you well to enough to show you. Balls and fly balls. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I can, I can fungo with the best of them. Trust me. But do you think they put the team out there and hit fungo balls uh, between the infield and outfield? Right over the first baseman's head, second base coming back, right field coming in and work on communicate. A basic thing that high school teams work on, just using this as an example. Do you think a pro team actually does that? Okay, I just wanna just wanna tell you something that's gonna get you angry, but it's the truth. All teams in spring training do it for a couple of weeks, and only one team does it every single day before the baseball game, every single day. Every once in a while the manager will say, No, we're not gonna do it today. But legitimately ninety percent of the time They'll do it. You know which team it is that does uh, pre-game drills before infield oh. and outfield drills before every single o- game? Oakland A's. Nope. And they've been doing it since Saint- the mid-20s. St. Louis Cardinals? Nope. The New York Yankees, and they do the same exact drills really? they do before every game since the 1920s. Interesting. It's one of the coolest traditions in sports. Interesting. You, ever, you know, a lot of people are Yankee bashers and hate the Yankees. If you want to see something absolutely spectacular, go to a Yankee game early and watch those guys take infield practice. Cool. And you'd be like, why doesn't the other team take infield practice? Mm-hmm. Well, they do it every single day, and it isn't a surprise that the mm-hmm. Yankees consistently play uh, and execute the best baseball in the game every year in Europe. That's some solid insight from the big dog. I was not aware of that. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it's tremendous, tremendous yeah, well, insight. I, I, just, I just make stuff up over here, I'm coach. kidding you, big dog. I'm just kidding you. All right, uh, real quick, we go from pitchers or catchers report, and then what? Uh, over to the NFL, we lost. We lost. LaDainian Tomlinson a couple of days ago was released from the San Diego Chargers. A couple of years ago, the best running back in football. Two years later, he's available for the taking. And then uh, this morning, Big Dog, we read two other NFL stars are available. Brian Westbrook of the Philadelphia Eagles released and Julius Peppers, the great defensive lineman for Carolina. So your thoughts on three superstars at their position a couple of years ago now available. Well, beware a washed-up running back, Coach. They're way too expensive, and you can get some guy with fresh legs. That could be fantastic. If you can get LT cheap, he would be nice as a third down back. You know, uh, he'd be awesome by the goal line, and he can pick up blitzes and catch the ball in the backfield. So, you know, he could really fill a role for the mm-hmm. Bears. Uh, but, like, Brian Westbrook, I, he's, I think he has more left in the tank than LT, but with the concussion, you never know. Boom, the season's over with. Okay, and uh, with Julius Peppers, he could really, really, really change a team and we were already hearing Julius Peppers to the Bears rumors. You know, I wanted to wait to see how long it took. It took about 12 hours, Coach. <laughs> and uh, I, I, generally speaking, depending on how much you would pay him, would I would depend on how much I would want him on the team. You know what I mean? When I, I want it. Julius Peppers, heck yeah, put him over on that weak side defensive end and let him chase quarterbacks all season long and let him punish people. But I remember him as a college yeah. athlete, uh, or even coming oh. out of high school, where he was. A great basketball player too, great athlete, right? Division one so, football and basketball. 
to coach one of the most underrated athletes in the history of our country. I know that might you, wow. that might people are like, wow, but you know, defensive linemen don't have like stats besides sacks, so they don't people don't appreciate how athletic this guy is. That guy is crazy athletic. You're talking, he's six six, two hundred ninety five pounds, and he will outrun almost the whole entire planet. And the guy can jump out of the gym and. Mm-hmm. He is a freak of an athlete. And don't forget, he started at North Carolina as a basketball player. Okay, so if you can start at North Carolina as a basketball player and also play defensive end in the NFL at a a $20 million a year clip, that's pretty good. Maybe he could play first base for the Cubs. All right, we got to wrap up today's show. Don't forget, hockey action continues. USA taking on Switzerland, 2 o'clock today. Finland, Czech Republic, Sweden against TBA and I. We'll be watching Russia versus Canada, CNBC, 6.30 tonight. Big Dog, any chance you will join me on the couch watching the game. You're on one side, I'm on the other. Uh, Just as long as Unikim is in between us, Coach. It's an interesting thought. One to ponder for the next 24 hours till we're back on tomorrow's show at 10. Big Dog, thanks for joining us. David Olson, our producer, great job always. Good luck to the USA Today. TalkZone.com, two guys at a mic signing off. Have a great day, everybody.